This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment. And this is episode number 30, and I'm calling this episode Prophecy. Now on The Faith Experiment, I love to give away good gifts and great resources, and today is no different. I have a great book called Decoding Bible Prophecy. And this is a must-have because it goes along with today's topic and it provides a lot of really helpful insights into a topic which is often very confusing. So stick around to get the code word during the show. You'll need to text the code word to the Faith Experiment number, which is 4 So say that number to your phone, 4 and wait for today's code word. Well, while you're texting that number and saving that number into your phone right now, why don't you give me a text and tell me where you're listening to The Faith Experiment from. I would love to hear from you. Are you listening from Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia, Tasmania, or the ACT? I would love to hear from you. Or are you listening online in another part of the world? I'd love to hear from you. Text me in 0488-45311 or you can email me on Robbie at faithfm.com.au. Now, if you're joining me for the first time, the faith experiment is about putting faith into practice. It's about experimenting with faith. And so far on the show, I've been sharing with you my own personal journey of how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. And we just finished looking at a little series of how to enhance your study of these ancient manuscripts. Now, on today's episode, I'm continuing this little series that I've started in the Faith Experiment, which is based upon answering your questions. I started this on last week's episode, where we picked up a question from Eva. She asked the question of how can we trust that the Bible is actually God's Word? And so we spent the whole episode looking at the evidence for that question. Now, I've got a bunch of other questions. Here are some of the questions I've got to answer. I've got things like, what happens to babies when they die? Why does God call Jesus his son? We've got other questions like, what is the best way to study the Bible for personal devotional time? Here's an excellent question. Where is hell? How do we know for certainty what God's will is for our lives? When will Jesus return? How can I be born again? What's the mark of the beast? Is it the COVID vaccine? Is there a connection between COVID and the end of the world? Is there really a secret rapture? What is the purpose of tithe in the Bible? Should I be giving tithe today? Is China in Bible prophecy? Is the USA in Bible prophecy? I've heard about the three angels. I have no idea what they mean. I've got so many questions here. I'm just busting to sit down with you and to go through each and every one of them. That's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. Now, if you have a question that you'd like to get into the show, then text it to the Faith Experiment number 048-458-11, or you can email me your questions on robbie at faithfm.com.au. Now, if you've missed any of the previous episodes, including last week's one where we started this little series, and you want to catch up on some of the details, go ahead and get the Faith FM app from your app store on your phone, or you can go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcast section for The Faith Experiment, and you will find The Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it easy for you to keep up to date with The Faith Experiment. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be continue taking these questions, as many as I can, and dig into these ancient Hebrew and Greek manuscripts and find answers for you. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the questions that are relating to the similar topic or theme and group them together and try and get as many of them answered on a single episode. 
Now, on the last episode, as I mentioned, we looked at a question from Eva who asked, how can you be sure that the Bible is actually trustworthy? I mean, how can we even trust that the Bible is God's word? And I answered this question first because in our faith experiment, we need to have evidence that the Bible is actually God's word and that it is trustworthy before we can try and answer any other question. Because if we don't have confidence that these manuscripts are in fact God's word, then really there's nothing to talk about. It's all just a bunch of speculation. Your questions, my answers, it's all just purely speculation. It might be entertaining, but it's not really beneficial and it's a waste of your time and my time. So that's why I picked up Eva's question first. And that's why we spent some time finding evidence from various viewpoints. We looked at evidence from a prophetic viewpoint, from a scientific viewpoint, from an archaeological viewpoint, from a historical viewpoint, from a mathematical viewpoint. And lastly, we looked at the personal impact of these manuscripts. And we saw in our last episode that no matter which viewpoint you take, the Bible provides evidence that it is in fact a supernatural book. And at the very least, this book is worth our time to experiment. So on today's episode, I'm going to be answering a number of different questions that I've been asked about prophecy. Questions like Kevin's, who asked this question. He says, there are so many prophecies in the Bible, and I get lost trying to understand them. What is the point of them if I can't understand them? And I've got a question here from Rosa, which also asks about prophecy. She says, what's the point of prophecy if I already believe that God exists? Well, these are fantastic questions, and I've got more of them on this particular topic of prophecy. But we're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we're going to jump straight into these and a bunch of other questions regarding prophecy. And coming up is the code word for today's great giveaway. So stick around. I'll see you soon. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888-45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. Save 
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 30 of the Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this episode Prophecy. And coming up is the code word for today's free offer. So stick around. You don't want to miss this offer. It's a book about prophecy, how to decode Bible prophecy. So in this episode, I'm looking at your questions that you've asked me about prophecy here on The Faith Experiment, and there's some really, really good ones. So let's get straight into it. So I have a question here from Rosa, who writes, Hi, Robbie, you have talked about prophecy and how it was a part of your journey to faith. I was born into a Christian family and have always been a believer, and I have never really studied prophecy. Am I missing something? Well, first of all, thank you very much, Rosa, for your question. First of all, let me say this. I'm envious of people like you who have been born into Christian families and have grown up in Christian homes and have always been a believer. That's just such a powerful witness to me that a person can grow up and stay connected in a supernatural relationship with God. You know, I've been told numerous times that people wish that they had a story like mine, that they'd have a story where they had a story before God, a story of finding God and a story with God, and somehow it'd be exciting enough to share. But let me tell you, I wish I didn't have the many years that I had where I was missing out on a life which was centered on faith in this faith experiment. So you are already one in front of me. Let me be sure to to say that to you. Now, to your question. You already believe you've never really studied prophecy. Are you missing out on something? All right. Well, first of all, let me say 
you're not the only Christian who has never really studied prophecy. In fact, I've spoken at literally thousands of churches all around the world in all different kinds of denominations, in different cultures and in different languages. And you know what? I would say most of all the churches I've been to, out of out of all of them that are out there, most people in most churches really don't spend much time studying Bible prophecy. So if it's any consolation, don't feel bad. You're not alone. Now, do I think that Christians are missing out on something by not studying Bible prophecy? Well, let me give you Bible answers for this, not just my opinion. I'll give you two texts, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. The first one is in the Hebrew manuscript of Isaiah in the Old Testament, in chapter 46, verse 9 in our Bibles today. And this is what it says. This is God speaking. Isaiah is quoting God, so to speak. And this is what God says. He says, remember the former things of old. That means remember the past. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And then he says this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. What's God saying here? God is saying that he is telling us the end, that's the future, from the very beginning. And in the ancient times of the past, he's revealing the things that have not yet happened yet. So the God of the ancient scriptures declares that he is the only one who can truly predict the future. Now, we've looked at that concept numerous times in the faith experiment so far. But this is what it says. This says this, this unique quality of knowing and telling the things that are not yet done, it can be easily tested. That's why we have an experiment. This is why we have a faith experiment, because we can test this claim that God is the only God and that there is no one else. We can test it based on Bible prophecy. Now, there are over a thousand what I call clear prophecies in the Bible. These are ones that if you pick up, you read them, it's like you cannot get them wrong. I mean, it's like it's it's in your face clear, right? There are many other prophecies which require a whole lot more effort to understand. No questions about that. But my point is this. One third of the entire Bible is completely devoted to prophecy. So let me put it this way, Rosa. If God has gone to the effort to give one-third of the Bible as prophecies or predictions of the future, and then as a believer, we're not studying it, we're not spending time in it, I think it's pretty obvious that we might be missing out on something, right? Now, let's have a look at the New Testament. Here's a text in the Greek manuscript of Matthew. Jesus is talking in in our modern Bible, it's chapter 24 and verse 15. Jesus is talking. This is what he says. He says to his followers, he says, When you see the abomination of desolation, now that's a whole another topic right there, what that's all about. But he says, When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus told his followers that they need to study and understand the book of Daniel. And guess what? The book of Daniel, 85% prophecy. Jesus also tells his followers in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. 
the context here is that Jesus is telling them that he's about to leave and go back to his Father in heaven, and the disciples are stressed, right? Because what does the future hold now if Jesus isn't around? And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then in verse 29, he adds this. He says, and now I have told you before it comes. That means before it happens. I've told you what's going to happen. That when it does come to pass, you may believe. You see, Jesus is telling us that prophecy is not just to prove the existence of God. When we look at the Old Testament, prophecy definitely does that. Jesus, or God, I should say, he he makes the claim that prophecy is the key to understanding that he exists. That's definitely an Old Testament um, staple. Prophecy proves the existence of God. And the same thing in the New Testament. But Jesus adds to it now. He's saying, listen, prophecy, it's not just to establish the existence of God, even though it definitely does that, Prophecy also strengthens our faith. It fills us with hope. It keeps our hearts from being troubled. So prophecy is something that Christians should be studying because at the center of prophecy is the person of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the last book of the Bible, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So prophecy is not like some different branch of Bible study. It's intertwined with Bible study. Think of it like your diet, right? Like in your diet, if you want to be healthy, you need to have a good balance of nutrition. You need to have your fruit, your vegetables, your nuts, your grains. Now, if you only ate fruit and you avoided vegetables, you might still survive, but you won't thrive, right? That's because you're missing very important nutritional elements to your diet. Well, the same thing's true for the Christian. You need to make sure that you are getting all of your spiritual nutritional elements as well. And prophecies are part of that. There's 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 the gospels, there's the the teachings of the fruit of the spirit, there's sanctuary, there's the rest. There's there's so many things in scripture, but reality is is that intertwined in all of that is prophecy. And it's important that as Christians, just because we believe, we don't go, well, I don't need prophecy because I already believe that God exists. Because prophecy is more than that. It's also establishing and growing our faith. It's taking away the fear of the future. It takes all these things into consideration. Well, I hope that makes sense, Rosa. That's uh, my take on your question. Prophecy, is it something we're missing out on if we're not studying it? I believe we are missing out on something. But don't feel bad if you haven't been studying it. There is still time to pick up the Bible and to delve into these prophecies. And stay tuned to the faith experiment. You're going to continue to get exposed to a lot of this stuff because... It's a part of my journey. It's part of the faith experiment, for sure. Now, next up, I have a question from Kevin, who says, There are so many prophecies in the Bible, and I get lost trying to understand them. What is the point of them if I cannot understand them? Kevin. Well, thanks, Kevin, for your question. That's a really valid question, because if you can't understand something, then it has no benefit for you, right? So, the last part of your question, what's the point of prophecy? I hope the answer I just gave Rosa really helped answer that part. Um, But summary, the primary purpose of prophecy is to give us confidence to trust God, the God of the Scriptures. And because God has provided a logical foundation for our belief system, it's not just a blind faith or a faith based on tradition or culture. It's actually some logic to the reason why we believe what we believe. And secondary, uh, prophecy, is the point of prophecy is it gives hope, it gives comfort, and it takes a fear from the future because 
if God knows the future, then he knows your future. He knows my future. So we know what the point of prophecy is. But Kevin, your question, I think, is more about getting lost trying to understand prophecy. And if you can't understand it, then what's the point of it? So let's start by taking a quick look at the approach that God seems to use in outlining prophecy. In the Greek New Testament book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Now, notice that the prophecy here was signified. Now, in other words, what this means is is that the prophecy was put into signs and symbols. Now, many of these symbols depict imagery like mystical animals and colors and metals and people. Now, if you think about some of the prophetic symbols in the Bible in its entirety, we have things like the number 666 and the mark of the beast or the great red dragon, the seal of God, Armageddon, the beast from the bottomless pit or the, the mysteri- mysterious numbers of the time, times and half a time or the Lord's day, the Antichrist. Now, you might be tempted to think or say, well, this is impossible to understand. God's just sort of messing with us. But before you do that, Check out this verse in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed is he who reads, that's talking about these prophecies in Revelation, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and then notice the next part of verse 3, it says, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The prophecies are important for us to read and understand. But what's even more important is that we keep them, that we keep the prophecies or we put them into action. Now, you can't keep something you don't understand. So this text implies that you will read and you will hear and you will understand these prophecies because you are expected to put what you learn from these prophecies into practice, to keep them and to obey them. Then if you look at these texts in Revelation chapter 3 and chapter 4. Seven times in these two chapters, the Bible repeats this phrase. It repeats the phrase, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, the implication is that we will understand. So, understanding prophecy is completely possible. But how do we study prophecy so that we do understand it? Well, there's generally two key aspects to Bible prophecy. The first is the prophetic symbols. There are a variety of symbols that are used to represent nations and peoples, or religious movements, political events. There's about 60 symbols that can be identified with each symbol playing an important part in portraying the full meaning and significance of each prophecy. So that's a key. The second key aspect for Bible prophecy is numbers. You know, great men throughout history like uh, Isaac Newton and Leonardo da Vinci were intrigued with symbolic meaning in biblical numerals. And not only are there many time periods in the Bible that predict certain events when things will occur, but the numbers also represent a spiritual meaning. And there's at least 12 different numbers that can be identified to hold special significance meaning of a Bible prophecy. Now, in a few weeks from now, I'm going to answer another question somewhat related to this, which is specifically about how to understand time prophecy. So stay tuned for that one. But back to these symbols. It's interesting that in the ancient pagan religions, they also use symbols to represent their spiritual beliefs, particularly in the reference 
to the worship of the nature gods. And during the early to middle ages, as the Christian church started to apostatize and started to blend with its surrounding pagan cultures, specifically the Roman pagan Roman cultures and the worship of their gods, some of these symbols were incorporated into Christian art and Christian rituals, and they've become somewhat Christian traditions. And I use Christian in inverted commas because they have absolutely nothing to do with Christian values or Christian Bible prophecy, but they've become associated with Christianity. For example, the Easter egg, nothing to do with Easter. It actually is connected to the birth and fertility goddess, but anyway, that's been introduced. The sun face, which was really connected to the sun god, but that's been introduced into the pentagram, the solar wheel, the crescent moon, even hot cross buns. All of these things had nothing really to do with Christianity. The pine tree at Christmas time, all of this stuff has now become somewhat associated, if not loosely, to Christianity. But it really only came into Christianity when church and state started mixing in the early centuries after Christ had ascended and the last living apostles had died. So I guess a common question would be this. Why was Bible prophecy written in such mysterious symbols? Because doesn't that just make it super hard to understand? Well, Jesus tells us in the New Testament book of Luke, in chapter 8, verse 10, he says this. He says, To you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. And then Jesus says this. He says, Seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, why would Jesus say this? Well, there are three reasons. First is, Jesus encodes his his messages of truth in these parables or these prophecies and symbols for its protection. A number of prophecies predict the downfall of empires. It describes nations and global political powers in very, very unflattering terms. Now, the Bible was at risk of being destroyed by those who opposed God and denied God's teachings. And so God chooses to use these symbols. And the major prophecies were placed in code for protection. Jesus said, seeing that they may see and hearing they may not understand. And so the major prophecies were placed into a code for protection. The prophecies were cloaked in symbolism. The second reason we see is that it increases faith. See, Bible prophecy is not really difficult to understand, but it does take time and it takes commitment. And readers need to dig into each prophecy to determine its meaning and search the scriptures to discover the keys to each of the symbols. And your faith will increase the more you learn about God and see how amazing he is and how he cares for his people throughout time and throughout history and how he embeds these messages of hope in these symbols. And then lastly, the reason why prophecy is given in symbols is because it's a very effective method of communication. Symbols are often powerful forms of communication. You know, companies spend millions of dollars creating symbols that touch a chord within a community and effectively communicate the meaning and the personality behind the brand. And in many aspects, these symbols and these encoded principles behind these prophecies, they transcend time and they transcend culture and they transcend language. And so it's a way to keep the message of the prophecies going, I guess. It's it's very fascinating if you spend some more time digging into it. So I guess the summary, Kevin, prophecy can be understood. There's no question about that. The Bible is very clear that it expects us to not only study prophecy, but to understand it and then to do something with it. Um, it does take effort, and we need to, in many cases, decode symbols and numbers. But the Bible is its own interpreter. And 
Today's offer, Decoding Bible Prophecy, is a perfect little book that's going to help you out with that. So stick around for the code word today. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, I'm going to continue looking at your questions on this topic of prophecy. And coming up is the code word for today's giveaway, Decoding Bible Prophecy. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 30 of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode Prophecy, and coming up is the code word for today's free giveaway, so stick around. On today's show, I'm answering your questions about prophecy. So far, we've looked at Rose's question, which was, do Christians miss out if they're not studying prophecy? And we saw how that one-third of the Bible is prophecy, and if we ignore one-third, we're not getting a whole diet, spiritually speaking. And so, most definitely, we'll be missing out on something, because Jesus taught that he tells us the future, so that when it comes to pass, it does two things. It keeps our hearts from being troubled, and it strengthens our faith. Next, we looked at Kevin's question about why is prophecy so hard to understand. And we looked at how there is an expectation in the Bible that we can understand Bible prophecy because we're expected to act based upon it. We're meant to obey it. We're meant to recognize events. And then we looked at how prophecy in general is based on symbols and numbers, but not always, but very often. And we found that there are three reasons why prophecies use symbols and parables. It's to protect the truth from the enemies of God. It's to increase our faith. And it's to be an effective communicator across cultures, times, and languages. Now, this next question comes from Alex. This is a great question. He says, When I try and study prophecy at my church Bible study group, everyone seems to have their own interpretation of these prophecies. Some argue that the prophecies have already happened. Others say they're still going to happen. How are you meant to know? Alex, thanks so much for your question, Alex. And I know exactly what you mean. I have sat in Bible study groups where everyone has a different opinion on a passage. But you know what I've found? I have found in most cases, it's because people don't study the Bible with a framework. What do I mean by that? Well, in all my years of studying the Bible, I have noticed a pattern. Whenever God reveals things to us, he always starts out with a big picture. And then he fills in the big picture. And then he focuses in on details. So think of it as a big picture is using a telescope and you zoom into a small picture using a microscope. Let me give you an example. In the very first verse of the Hebrew manuscript in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, this is what God says first. I mean, this is the first thing. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. There's zero detail in this passage. It's just one big, broad brushstroke. You see everything? I did it. That's it. Now, from here, God starts to take our focus and to zoom it in a little. Because, you see, when we're given a big picture statement, something inside of us gets triggered in a good way, we immediately start to ask questions. See, when we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, one of our first thoughts is, or our first questions are, how? How did God create the heavens and the earth? And so, almost preempting that thought that we have, 
God takes our focus off this great big broad statement that he created everything in the beginning, and he takes our focus and he zooms it in. And then we're told this. Well, it took six days. You see, on the first day, he divided light and darkness. On the second day, he divided the water from above from the water beneath. On the third day, he divided the water from the land. Now that he's zoomed us in from the big picture and then gives us some spaces of time, which themselves contain spaces of day and night, sky and ground, sea and land, next, God takes our focus once again and zooms it into another level. Now we see him put things into those spaces. For example, he puts a sun, a moon and stars into the space. That's the fourth day. And then on the fifth day, he fills the sky space with birds and the sea space he fills with fish. And then on the sixth day, he fills the land space with animals and then he gives a ruler, some say a king, to oversee it all in the form of Adam and Eve. And then lastly, he creates a new space of time called the Sabbath. And he fills that space with a union between him and his human creation. And this becomes a memorial for all eternity. Now, this framework of a big picture then creates spaces and then fill the spaces with detail. This seems to be God's method that he uses also for revealing prophecy. See, many times we find some prophecies are the big picture type. They make broad statements. Then we find there are other prophecies that create the spaces. Then we find there are other prophecies that, you guessed it, fill in the detail of those spaces. Now, as Alex, as you've experienced, many people pick up the Bible and they start studying prophecy with the Bible in one hand and, let's say, the TV remote in the other hand. And what I mean by that? Well, they try to understand the prophecy based on the TV, on the news, what's happening. And with social media, it's even worse. People just put so much content out there and most of it has absolutely no framework, no order. And instead of using solid exegesis for their biblical interpretations, as in drawing out the biblical meaning, they use eisegesis and they put meaning into the passages. And this is where they have their opinions. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, about exegesis and eisegesis, they're methods of interpreting the Bible. And I did a whole episode on that back on episode 24 of the Faith Experiment. So go back and check out that either on the Faith FM app or the website and the podcasting section, episode 24, Faith Experiment. Now, you know, the Bible actually warns us about coming up with our own interpretations. In the Greek New Testament book of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, what does that mean? It means that when we study Bible prophecy, absolutely anyone, any student of Scripture, should be arrived at the same conclusion. If only one person on the planet arrives at an understanding and the rest don't, then there's probably something wrong here. So, Alex, how do we use this framework to help us with Bible prophecy? Well, there's one prophecy which covers the longest period of time in the Bible. So this makes for our big picture prophecy, the single broad brushstroke type prophecy. And it's found in the Old Testament book of Daniel. So in this book, Daniel starts out with a story, but the story turns into prophecy. And you can read the whole thing in chapter 2, I'll let you do that in your own time, but in essence, the story starts out with the king 
of Babylon having a dream. The dream freaks him out. He wakes up. And the reason for that is in Babylonian times, dreams, all dreams, were considered as omens from the gods for these Babylonians. And these gods are supposed to be telling these people who are having the dreams of what's going to happen in the future. And so the Babylonians had built a whole industry around dreams and omens and mystics and astrology and sorcery. So naturally, the king calls for these dream-interpreting experts to come to the king's chamber in the middle of the night to interpret the dream. So, so far, nothing super amazing in the story. It's just simply this is a series of events that took place. Now, the story goes on that when these wise men show up, they ask the king to tell them what he dreamt, and then they give them the meaning. You see, these so-called wise men of Babylon had a system. When a dreamer would tell the wise men the dream, the wise men would do a sacrificial ritual of some kind and, you know, kill an animal. They'd cut out the liver of the animal and they'd compare the liver of the animal from the sacrifice, from the dreamer, and compare it with a clay template liver. And based on these zones of the livers, there'd be lumps and bumps and colors. These wise men would give the dreamer some kind of story, which was to be the, the omen interpretation. But this particular night, the king wasn't interested and says to the wise men, look, just give me the interpretation. If you're wise men, I'm not even going to tell you the dream. Just tell me what it means. Well, long story short, they can't do what the king's asking. And so the king commands that all the wise men of Babylon be rounded up and put to death. Now, this is where Daniel comes into the story. Daniel wasn't there initially, but when the command goes out to kill everybody who's wise, Daniel's included. When they tell Daniel it's time to be executed, he asks what for. They explain to him why. He asks to see the king. He tells the king he can get an interpretation from God, the God of heaven who he serves, and he will give him what he wants. So the king agrees to give him time. Daniel goes away. He prays that night. And that night, he receives the same dream that the king had. But Daniel also gets the interpretation. So next day, Daniel goes back to the king, and he starts off by telling the king that what he is sharing comes from God, not from him. So Daniel, in contrast to the wise men, takes zero credit for himself. Now, this is where the prophecy comes in. So all of that is the this background story to the actual prophecy. So here it is. So Daniel tells the king what the king saw in his dream. And this is what he says. He says, you saw a great image in the likeness of a man, but the image was made of different kinds of metal. Now, for a Babylonian, a metal man, a statue of made of metal in the form of a man, would have been considered an idol, which was a good thing since the Babylonians worshipped idols. So immediately this image is a religious image, is seen as coming from the gods. But this metal image is made from various different kinds of metal. The head of this image in the dream had a golden head, The chest was made from silver, the belly and thighs was made from bronze, and the legs were made from iron, and the feet were made from a mixture of iron and clay. And next in the dream, there comes a rock out of nowhere, and he hits the image on the feet and breaks the whole thing into pieces. Now, I have a visual of this image if you'd like to see it. If you want to get a copy of it on your phone right now, you can text a code word to the faith experiment number, and the faith of bot will reply to you with an image right now on your phone. So if you want to see an image of this, get your phone out now and text this code word, hash FE30info, all one word. It's hash or the pound symbol, followed by FE for faith experiment, and then the number 30, and followed by the word info, as in infographic. So that's all together, one word, no spaces, hash FE30 
info. Text that to 04-888-45311. That's 04-888-45311. Text hash FE30 info, all one word. And the Faith of Bot will reply to you with an image of what this dream looked like. So that's the big picture. That's the zoomed out view of this prophecy. A great image, golden head, silver chest, bronze waist, iron legs, iron and clay, rock comes, hits it on the feet, destroys the whole thing. Next in the prophecy comes a a zoomed in, a bit more detail. Daniel says in chapter 2 verse 29, he says, He who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. You see, this dream is about the future. Now we get the detail. The head made from gold, we're told, represents the kingdom of Babylon. The next metal, silver, represents the kingdom of Medo-Persia. And the next metal, bronze, represents Greece. And the iron legs represent the Roman Empire. And the feet made of clay mixed with iron represents the breakup of the Roman Empire into ten states or tribes mixing with the church. That's the clay. And the state is the iron. So we have a mixture of church and state with the division of Rome. And then this prophecy ends with a rock destroying this image or this idol. In the same way that stoning was used to bring judgment, this stone hitting this image brings judgment to the kingdoms of the world. And this is representing the return of Jesus and the establishment of his kingdom. So you see, this prophecy contains a running timeline from the kingdom of Babylon around 600 BC all the way down past the Medes and Persians until 331 when the Greeks come onto the scene, then down to 168 BC when the Romans come on, and then the fall of the Romans in 476 AD, all the way down to the division of Europe, and then all the way down to the second coming of Jesus. So that means that this single prophecy covers a period of 2,600 years thereabouts so far. Now, many of the other prophecies help fill in the details within this big picture timeline prophecy. And because this is our master timeline or framework for prophecy, it becomes much easier to establish the placement of the detailed prophecies. For example, much of Jesus' prophecies and the book of Revelation's predictions fit in the feet of this image, whereas other portions of prophecy you can apply in different periods. So at a high level, this prophecy of Daniel chapter 2 is our big picture framework. Much of the other prophecies in the Bible sort of fit within elements of that, in the same way that that creation narrative took place, so too does the big picture prophecies take place. So Alex, I hope that gives you a starting point in how to view prophecy. Look for the big picture and then you'll be better equipped to place the detail within the time spaces. Well, it's time to take a short break again, but when we come back, we're going to continue looking at your questions on this topic of prophecy. And coming up is the code word for today's giveaway. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Every single dream I lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see 
tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary, I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. I will trust, I will trust in you Truth is you know what tomorrow brings There's not a day ahead you have not seen So in all things be my life and bread I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 30 of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode Prophecy. And coming up shortly is the code for today's free offer, a wonderful book. It really is an excellent book called Decoding Bible Prophecy. It's a must-have for anybody interested in Bible prophecy. Now, in today's episode, we've been looking at questions relating to prophecy. What's the point of prophecy? Why does it seem prophecies are super hard to understand? How can we understand them? And we've looked at how to make sense of the various prophecies using a framework of looking at big picture first and then filling in details with more specific prophecies. Now, next, I have another question relating to prophecy, which we briefly looked at from the book of Daniel. This question comes from Nat. Nat says, Hello, Robbie. I have studied the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2, and it makes sense. But coming from a Chinese heritage, I have struggled to understand why God did not mention China in this prophecy. After all, China is the longest continuous civilization in human history. Nat. Well, thanks so much, Nat, for your observation and your question. 
And whenever I lecture on this topic of Daniel chapter 2, inevitably someone will always ask a question similar to this one because you're right, China is the longest continuous civilization and a massive kingdom both in terms of territory and population. So why doesn't God talk about China in this prophecy of Daniel chapter 2? Well, to understand that, you need to read the story before the prophecy. You see, this prophecy was not just some random revelation that God decided to give the whole human race and said, here you go, enjoy humans. No, this prophecy was given to a man, a single man, a king of a pagan kingdom who had taken God's people captive. This prophecy was given specifically to Babylon. And what we see in this prophecy is that we're allowed to observe from an outsider's point of view the interactions between God and this king and God and Daniel and Daniel and the king. And so we're told the purpose of this prophecy is to show the trajectory of the king's legacy, his kingdom. See, all that he loved, all that he worshipped, all that he built would crumble and it would be passed on to another kingdom who was inferior to himself. And then the one, that one would fall, and the next one would fall, and then the next one would fall, and finally there would be attempts to reunite this legacy of Babylon, but it would never, ever happen. And eventually it would be wiped off the face of the earth once Jesus, the Son of Man, sets up his kingdom. And so this is not a prophecy talking about only world empires or even the greatest empires in the world. This prophecy is specifically showing the trajectory of power from Nebuchadnezzar's throne to the end of human reign, which happens when Jesus becomes the king. That's why this prophecy doesn't mention America, Russia, China, Brazil, Australia, or even India. So now, I hope that sort of helps Frame the intent of this prophecy. I think it's a mistake when people say that this prophecy shows all the kingdoms of the world from Babylon to the second coming, because that's not a very accurate description of what this prophecy is actually about. Now, the next question I have comes from Tom, who asks, I think the USA is in Bible prophecy. Do you agree? Tom, I do agree. The USA is definitely in Bible prophecy, and I'm going to do a whole episode just on that topic in the next few weeks because I have a number of questions about America and prophecy. So stay tuned for that one. Next question about prophecy comes from Johnny, who asks, is China in Bible prophecy, and does it end up controlling the world? Johnny, it is in Bible prophecy, but not for the reasons you might think. And I'll talk more about this when I talk about America in Bible prophecy. Okay, and one last question about prophecy. This one comes from Jason, who says, I have a question. I heard you speak a number of years ago about how you believe that one day the European Union will collapse. When I saw the whole Brexit saga unfold, I thought about your presentation. What do you think about Brexit now, and what's next for Europe? Well, thanks, Jason. I'm not sure which presentation you saw specifically, but I have been talking for many years now that the EU in its current shape and form will fail. Not because I don't like Europeans. In fact, I'm married to a European. It's not because of that. And it's not even because I don't want the EU to work. In fact, the only reason I believe it will fail is because I believe the Bible prophecy says it will fail. You see, in the last passage of that king's dream we talked about in Daniel chapter 2, once the legs of iron fall, which is the fall of the Roman Empire, the feet enter the world stage and they're made up of clay mixed with iron. And Daniel was shown, and I'm reading this now from verse 43, he says, as you saw iron mixed with clay, they will mingle with the seed of men. 
but they will not adhere one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. You see, the European tribes have been trying to unite since 476 AD when Rome fell. They have tried through war, like with Kaiser Wilhelm, with Hitler, with Mussolini. They've tried through marriage. In fact, most royal families today in Europe are related to one another. It doesn't matter which country you pick. All the countries are somehow related through marriage. They have tried with revolutions. They have tried with communism. And lastly, they have tried with economy and with politics. But no matter what they try, it's not going to work. It's not going to last, according to this prophecy. So I think Brexit is just the start in the falling of dominoes. But you ask me, what do I think is coming next? Well, I think I'm not inspired on this. I could be wrong. But I think, based on how I understand prophecy and what I see happening in the world, I think the next thing for the EU will be a digital euro, which will lead to a cashless society in Europe. And I think it's going to cause huge issues. So watch this space. Well, that's all the questions I have time for today. I hope my thoughts and reflections have been helpful in your faith experiment. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a great book today called Decoding Bible Prophecy. This is a must-have for anyone wanting to study Bible prophecy. So if you'd like to get your free copy, all you need to do is text the code word hash FE30 or hash FE30. Text that to 04 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply asking you for some details. So text the code word hash FE30. That's the hash symbol or the pound key, followed by FE as in Faith Experiment and the number 34, episode 30. So hash FE30, no spaces, one word. Text it to 04 Now it's time for this week's inbox. This is where I browse through the inbox and share your comments, feedback, and questions. I have a few emails here today. This one comes from Troy. It says, Hi, Robbie. Love your show. The Faith Experiment is by far the best and most interesting radio show in Australia. You have by far changed the way I now look and read the Bible. Great tips for me. Wow. Thanks so much for your feedback, Troy. And I'm so glad that you've found this show to be helpful in your own faith experiment. Be sure to share the show with your friends and help get the word out. Here's another email which says, The faith experiment is just amazing and every time reminds me of my journey of becoming a Christian. Well, thank you very much for your kind words. Here's one last email. The faith experiment has clarified many areas of my faith and strengthened my own faith journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your feedback. I really do appreciate it. You can text your comments and your feedback to 048845311 or email me on Robbie at faithfm.com.au. I love to hear your thoughts and your feedback and help us get the word out. Share the show with your friends, with your family, and let's make this a vibrant, engaging, faith experimenting community. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 04888 453 11. That's 04888 453 11. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode. 